What's up, profitable public speaking listeners? Mark Caberti, the podcast coach here, helping people launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts. And one of the things that public speakers have to do is build up their profile, get more gigs so that they can get more gigs. So not only are we going to talk about building up your profile as a public speaker, but we're also going to slip in how can we get the coveted TEDx talk because I recently got my TEDx talk. Our guest is a five-time TEDx speaker, so there's going to be a lot of magic in this episode. We have a best-selling author, uh, also Inc. Magazine Top 100 Leadership Speaker and Huffington Post contributor with us today. Our guest helps people to speak more, get paid, and create impact. So I want to welcome to this episode none other than Bobby Umar. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Love the energy. Bobby, I'm so happy to have you on the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. And you've done five already. As soon as I actually do my TEDx, like it's just January 11th is my actual day, 2020. Okay. Uh, then that's six total between the two of us. Uh, but I mean, it's incredible to do that many TEDx talks because like, I'm just starting to get the idea of there's a lot of prep work associated with doing a TEDx talk. So I wonder if you could share with us what got you into public speaking and how did you build up to getting five TEDx talks? So the reason I got into public speaking was because I was one of those people that felt kind of lost in my career and stuck in my job and unfulfilled with what I was trying to do. I was an engineer, I did brand marketing, I tried some teaching, I tried some performing arts, uh, and nothing really seemed to fit in the way that I wanted. So uh, over the years, many people have said, have you thought about public speaking and professional speaking? I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to make it big in such and such and such and such, you know, trying to make it in the, in the corporate world. And uh, I never really thought about it. But then when the push came to shove, I, I really dove in my personal brand and figured out what are the things that are important to me? What are the things that I like? And one of the things that came up through my analysis was that, you know, you need to do something that has to do with people, nurturing, persuasion, influence. Uh, performing, presenting, and diversity. And public speaking seemed to be a really good way to go. Plus, people have been saying it to me for years. I was just ignoring the calls for many, many years. So once I decided that, boom, I went straight in. I was very excited about what I was trying to do. In terms of how I built towards getting the TEDx talks, um, you know, one of the things for me is I've always been a strong networker, and I've had a very large branch. I had a large influence of people in my life, even before social media came into play. And so... What I can tell you is that the first TEDx talks kind of came because I was a strong relationship builder and strong networker, and I had a strong brand. And so people said, hey, Bobby, uh, I'm doing this thing, and I'd love to have you come speak at it. And I'm like, what, what is it? And it's like, it's called, it's called TED, TEDx. I'm like, what's that? And I, I didn't know, what, the first one, I didn't know what it was. And, uh, and, then, and then they said they wouldn't pay me. I'm like, you're not, you're not going to pay me? Why would I do this? Because I'd have to go to another town. And then I did some research, and I was like, wow, everyone's done this, like, athletes, politicians, business leaders, philosophical, spiritual leaders, like, wow, this is a big deal. Okay. And, and the video looks amazing. I thought, you know, this is gonna be great for my brand. Sure. I'll do it. And so the first one I did, uh, you know, I had to come up with the idea of my life and what, what's really important to me. And, and you're right. It, it's a lot of prep. Every single one of them takes a lot of prep. The first one I remember I rehearsed it like 30 times. So I was so nervous. Yeah, I knew it had to be really good and it had to be, I had to nail it. And even while I was doing it on stage in my head, I was like, Oh, I'm screwing this up. And Oh, I'm behind time. And, but no one sees that, right? You just, this is all in your head. And uh, the first four TEDx talks all came within about uh, two years because, again, I was quite prolific as a speaker. Social media had, at this point, uh, at the, you know, I started doing social media and then it grew to a point where 
by 2011, when I first did my first TEDx talk, I was well known. I had quite a few followers. And so I got four very quickly. Uh, and I just kept saying yes, 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 while thinking about you know, how good the event itself was. Because um, some of them were not well organized. Some of them were not probably ones I would have done if I had knew then uh, what I know now. And then, so that, so having a strong thought leadership personal brand around yourself is also a great way to get uh, a TED talk. Now, the fifth one, which I only did recently, uh, because again, it is a lot of work. You know, you don't really want to necessarily do it. But this time I saw a theme that was around the theme of what I care about, which is power of connection. So I pitched an idea I've had for years in my head, just did a quick four minute video. I knew exactly how to speak to them, exactly what to say. And then pretty soon I got, I got called within a couple of days. And yeah, we want you. And so that talk I did fairly recently. I'm not personally seeking out other ones. I have been asked a couple of times and I've rejected them. Uh, but you know, if the right thing comes along for the other idea that I want to do, yeah, I'm going to, I'll go for it. Wow. And uh, one thing that I do ask some people, because you have multiple TEDx talks and a lot of people just say they're a TEDx speaker if yeah. they are a TEDx speaker. And I'm wondering if you could share with us, has there, I mean, the one thing I heard, because I asked this to someone else and he said, you want to do another TEDx talk if you want to change your branding. Like if you've already done a successful TEDx talk, but now you're coming out with a new book or a new something, you want to change your branding. Uh, in your experience, has there been any difference in how people perceive you as a public speaker uh, as a TEDx speaker versus a five-time TEDx speaker? Does it carry more weight to speak at multiple or is one fine? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think that uh, you know when, when TEDx first came around, uh, being a TEDx speaker was great for your brand. So when I had a TEDx speaker on my brand, 2011, yes, that was great. But now uh, we've seen that a lot of people have TEDx talks, and so you have to differentiate yourself. And and there's some TEDx talks, to be quite honest, that you know aren't that good. Uh, there's TED, some TEDx events that aren't that well organized, and some of the speakers that bring are just regular people from the school, or like they bring a university professor, and it's like not nothing really substantial from what they're doing. So uh, you know, other TEDx talks are really great, but you know, I think the the, the brand has been diluted. So having say two or three or four TEDx talks or five TEDx talks. Yeah. I think that's definitely a separator in the sense that okay, this person has great ideas and this person has been vetted several times because they clearly are good at speaking. And when you do that, that's actually going to separate you as a public speaker. So I think it's good to have a few under your belt, but, but again, I don't think you need to have, you know, more than two or three. Like once you have, once you have th once you're a three time TEDx speaker, that's enough that says, yeah, this person's awesome. And I have a friend who's actually a nine time TEDx speaker. So like, wow. You know, like I, I know this, and uh, so having a few, I think, is definitely better than having just one. I mean, I know I'm profitable public speaking when I am introducing guests. You know, that the thing I loved with Bobby was, you know, five time TEDx speaker. And even if you were just a TEDx speaker, I would lead with TEDx speaker because that's the biggest love, one of the biggest things you could achieve as a public speaker. That's like the uh, public speaking aspiration. and when I did get my first TEDx, like, oh my goodness, I know how to do this now. I want to get like, on all these different ones. But then you see the prep work and you're like, you got to time it properly because if you have like two TEDx's at the same time, that is a ton of prep. Uh, so definitely something to think about. One of the things that I do want to ask though is how have you been able to, you say you're a TEDx speaker now, how has that led to more stages and more paid gigs as well? Well, part of it is, you know, when you're trying to pitch yourself as a professional speaker and get paid gigs, you're going to look at your speaker brand, right? So they're going to look at your profile, see what you have. So the first thing that happened was I had this great video of me on stage, professionally done, you know, two or three camera angles and to see me on stage. So that's the first thing. The brand around TEDx tells me that I'm a good storyteller. 
I'm good on stage and I have the training to do deliver a really good job. So those things right away are enough for me to pitch myself. But then, you know, on top of that, you take that combined with, you know, what exactly are your topics? What exactly is the audience and the pain point, the pain points and the bliss points and what are the benefits to the organization? And, and once you learn how to pitch yourself, you know, the, the, the TEDx stuff definitely helps with it because it's part of your toolkit to put yourself out there and, and pitch to people. Because, you know, when I pitch to somebody, I'm not going to send them just a, an email. I'm going to send an email with a link to several videos as well as a, you know, a sell sheet. And they have a website that has all my videos on it. Like it's, it's a full package where they see, okay, yeah, this person's the real deal. And I do love having that speaking reel. Like I have a speaking reel myself. I'm definitely waiting to update it until after I have the TEDx because that's yeah. a lot of clips you can add to really strengthen a speaking reel. Uh, for someone who doesn't have a speaking reel yet, what would you recommend for them? Uh, that's a good question. You know, and and funny, funny enough, I'm actually launching a speaker video reel course, a one like a one hour workshop on this uh, coming up really soon. But w what I'm going to cover really is the dynamics of a really good speaker reel, including the the short one and the long one. So I think it's good to have a short one that's less than a minute. It's good to have a longer one that's three to five minutes long. You need to show the diversity of number one, your voice, your topics, right? So do, so whether you're doing you know quiet talking or really loud talking or you know a, a different variety of how you talk, a different variety of audiences and a different variety of uh, of topics. And if you can showcase that now, unless you're only on one topic person, like if you're only on the top of networking, that's fine. Uh, then at least show three different key ideas within that topic that demonstrate the, the diverse ideas that you have. And so if you do that in that one minute and that three to five minute reel, that's how you put together a really great sizzling speaker reel. And it is good to have those different video blends. So I've seen some speakers, they have like a one to two minute, which is pretty common, but I've seen other people have like 10 minutes and wow. there are parts where they really expand on what I'm going to say, what I'm going to talk about and why this topic means a lot to me. So, they are, it's important to include those different parts to your speaking kit. Uh, and one of the things interesting is I know we got started on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn was the place where we found each other. And I see you are very active on LinkedIn. So has that helped you get more speaking gigs and connect with the right people? Because that is a platform I am really getting uh, more like all in on. Okay, so I'm going to say I'm going to say at this point, yes and no. So yes, it's brought more awareness. Yes, it's led to more conversations. Um, but I think that combined with my social media profile and my website and my agent has combined to get more speaking gigs. I wouldn't say I've directly gotten speaking gigs, although I have. I mean, you know, I get speaking gigs from random people on Twitter that say, hey, we love your stuff, can you come in? And so that's great. Um, so uh, I think it's a combination. You, know, you can't just rely on one platform to get your speaking gigs. What's really important is the follow-up, right? Building a relationship, having follow-ups, having conversations and doing a lot of inbound marketing to really develop those relationships where it leads to a speaking gig. That, that, that's the, the, the most important thing of all. The reason why I'm on LinkedIn now is because being a social media influencer, my influence first came on Twitter where that kind of took off and exploded. And then I started to see that, okay, where's the next place? And now I see that Instagram and LinkedIn are the hottest place to be right now. So I'm spending a lot of my time on LinkedIn, still honing my crap in terms of what I want to do because I'm now doing live streams, I'm uploading videos, a lot of content. I launched a company page, so I'm I'm, I'm shifting and evolving as I go along. But for the most part, LinkedIn leads to professional conversations that lead to professional opportunities. So if you want to become a speaker, I think you need to, and also you need to be on there to show people how you speak, particularly when you do videos and live. So I think it's very important for everyone to leverage LinkedIn. 
Yeah, LinkedIn is really great for professional connections. I know for me personally, I've been able to get a lot of clients there for people who want to learn how to start, grow, make money with the podcast or YouTube channel. So LinkedIn is a great place for professional connections. It's actually the platform I use to build relationships and get my TEDx. So uh, LinkedIn is a really amazing platform. So I knew I had to ask you how you were using that. I know you mentioned you had a speaking agent. Uh, I feel like some people think that, no, I can do it myself. I just reach out to people or an agent's unnecessary expense. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the agent. Uh, is it worth it having an agent? And is it something that makes sense for a newbie? Because my understanding is agents find you in the speaking space. So I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, and this is something that I cover in my speaker mastermind program as well, where I talk about agencies and whether you need it or not. So one of the things I'll say is that uh, you know, agencies are typically, what they care about is to make money off of you. So if they think they can make money off of you, then they will. Now, there's two main reasons that they think they can make money off you. Number one, you've established yourself as someone who's developed a career getting speaking gigs, which I had. So when I met with them, I had already been out there for about four years getting speaking gigs, and I had a, you know, a profile of doing and having success. On top of that, they loved the fact that I had a large social media profile. So those two things, I think, got me the agent. The other type of thing is you could be a newbie, but let's say you're a newbie that just won a gold medal at the Olympics or you're a newbie that just landed on the moon. In that case, if they feel your brand is strong enough, they will take you on right away. And there are people out there who've done that, put together a really strong profile and thought there's your brand for themselves. And so an agent will say, well, listen, I think I can get you speaking gigs. And in doing so, they get to make money because that's what they care about. They care about making money, right? So right. they're looking for people who have established cred as a speaker or looking for somebody who has that really unique thing that no one else is talking about. So you see it all the time when people are, are becoming quite influencers or they're getting some traction in some sort of area. That's where uh, an agent may come in. But you know the, the benefits of an agent are one, they can help you better negotiate price. Number two, they take care of logistics if you don't like that stuff, which I did not. And, uh, and for me, those are two biggest. And then number three, it gives you better credibility, the fact that yes, I'm representing my agent. Uh, and uh, you know that, that means that you're legit and you're in the business. So if you're a newbie, you have to look at what kind of brand do I have? Am I out there? And do I have influence? Do I have enough to pitch these places? And you know what? You can pitch anyway. I mean, you can pitch to a TEDx talk and you can pitch to an agent. They may still say, you know, still may say no. Or you may find an agent that's not as prolific and they're still helping you. Uh, I think it's fine if you want to use that. But remember, they take their cut. And so, you know, when I first got my agent, I was a little bit upset how much they were taking. I was like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But in the long run, I think it's worked out for me. And what's the uh, cut? Because I know it's different for agents, but I want people to have a numbers idea. Like, is it like 10%, 20%, 30% or something else? It's pretty standard, but, um, you know, it's probably around 30%. Okay. Um, most places, I mean, there might, there might be some agents trying to, trying to get a deal with you and to be done at 15 or 20, but from what I've seen across all the agents that I've, I've spoken to, because when I started pitching to agents, um, I had several interviews. It was all the same. It was always 30%. And... For agents, like where would you go to find these agents if you're a speaker who you feel like you can be represented by an agent, but you don't have enough time to find all the gigs that are going to pay you or put you on a big stage? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was very, really simple to do a quick Google search on uh, speaker agencies uh, in you know, wherever you are. I was in Canada and Toronto, so I used there, but you, know, you can use US or they're in New York City, LA, Chicago, that type of thing. Uh, there are a lot of them out there. And then the other thing to look at is, you know, who's on their roster, right? So when you, when you see their thing, who they, who they have on their roster, any, any big names that you think would be really good? Uh, is there a gap for the stuff that you want to talk about? And maybe you have uh, 
experience in being uh, a, a martial art artist and uh, an expert in sales, and no one's talking about martial artistry and sales, and I think mine, you can go in and talk about that. Or maybe there's someone who there's no there's no representative for blockchain. You can go in and say, I want to I want to pitch myself and be a speaker of blockchain. So it's important to know what kind of topics they're covering and also how big or large the roster is and who's on it. And I mean, it is fascinating, like the agent, like I'm thinking about this, this might be something that I explore because it makes more sense for me to go in that direction, especially if you don't pay the agent until they do their job and right. speaking gigs for you, which is kind of relationship I like. Uh, one of the things that I am curious though, is like, what does your schedule look like? Because like with an agent getting you more gigs and you can get just on your own, like your calendar fills up more quickly and like to make time, like thinking in my case, like, you know, podcast interviews, writing books, doing all these different things. How do you find time for like the stuff for you, like LinkedIn and growing your business and the speaking gigs that fill up your calendar? Well, I mean, just like any person that struggles with time management, you have to find everything that find a way to fit everything in. So on weeks where it's stressful, like, you know, one week I might have three speaking gigs, like, oh my God. And so like, you know, wow. I lay off, I lay off on the, the LinkedIn so much and the videos and what. But if I have one, yeah, I'll do more stuff. I mean, you know, one is not so bad. Three can be a lot uh, sometimes. Sometimes there's a gap of two, three weeks where I'm not working on social media content or I'm creating my programs or doing some coaching. So, you know, it just depends on, you have to manage your schedule. So I manage my schedule from a monthly basis and a weekly basis. And, and when I see what's happening per month and per week, I can then plan my time in terms of what I want to do. Uh, I'm also a big believer in collaboration. I collaborate a lot because I find that, saves time and energy yeah. to do so. So for me, the collaborations are what make it really worthwhile for me to get more bang for my buck with my time. And then the other thing I'm really big on is leveraging tools, technology to automate certain things that I shouldn't automate, to outsource things that I shouldn't really be doing, and use technology to save time uh, from what I'm trying to do. So for example, like, like you know, when I do a video on my phone and I have subtitles, you know, I use an app to quickly have the subtitles in there versus doing the whole process on YouTube to get the RSRT file and oh my God, like this is short and sweet for me. I like that, saves me time. And so anything I can find to save time, I will jump on it. And uh, one thing that, I mean, to get three gigs in one week is amazing, but you do have to travel and all of the yeah. logistics. So one question that I do want to ask, and I recently got a speaking gig, uh, New Media Summit, uh, 40 podcasters go, listen to pitches, get feedback. It calls an icon of influencer. That's the name. If you're a podcaster, you go to that event. And it was in San Diego, so three days of the event, four days going around, seeing all San Diego, which was fine for a week. But if you're a professional speaker, you could be on the road for like 20 weeks, 30 weeks. I don't know what it is for you, but my question is like when you're on the road, how do you continue to do stuff? Because like in San Diego, for instance, I've never been there, so you want to see it a little bit, but yeah. you don't want to fall behind on all of your work either if you are on the road for that long so what are your thoughts on that yeah that's a great question um part of it is so i just went recently to speak in africa for um, sorry, for four days but i knew that uh i was my time would be spent networking meeting people setting up meetings traveling doing touring things like that so i didn't book any work like i knew i was going to be doing that stuff so you have to understand like the way it works and it's very important also for you to get your agenda what exactly is going on? Like I'm doing another one in a couple weeks in Chicago. And so it's a, there's a clear agenda for the two days of when I'm there. So I now also know what the pockets of time are. So if I want to book a podcast meeting or I want to book a meeting with somebody else or I want to do a call or do a social media post, 
I know when those when those times are. So it's really important. And, and I'll admit, I sometimes screw up with my schedule. Like I, oh, it's like oh no, like I, I and I, I, I have a habit of when I go on these these four day trips, I'm like, oh, you know, I need to reschedule. <laughs> I need to reschedule. So I'm typing them. So you know, but but again, I'm a big communicator. I, I'm very responsive. I take care of my schedule really really well. But if you know what it is, then you can plan accordingly. But you also, I think. You cut yourself, cut yourself some slack, you know, like uh, enjoy yourself. Like you've never been to San Diego, man, have fun. Never been to Africa, have fun. Like uh, don't feel bad that you're can't scan out on things. Uh, you know, like do, do do you and and make the most of it because, you know, speaking is a way to, for you to travel around the world, do some amazing things. And I can tell you that every trip I've ever done, uh, was I doing other work? Barely. I'm enjoying myself. Okay. Every, you know, like for sure, unless there's some sort of emergency, but for the most part, I'm enjoying myself. And usually they, they come months in advance. So let's say I had a speaking gig like two days afterwards I'm coming back. I would have planned that in advance in anticipation of a trip that I have coming up. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, like, I mean, if you think of it like a vacation, like not like you're vacationing, but like it, like a lot of people, you know how you, uh, you go on a vacation and then all of a sudden your productivity spikes. And in my experience, like I go to Cape May every year it's a good buried tradition. And one of the things I like to do is that three days before that, I book a ton of interviews. I've done as many as 30 interviews in three days because that's what the schedule looks like. So it, Bobby makes an important point. Public speaking, like the New Media Summit in San Diego. By the way, I was guilt-free those four days when I ran around San Diego. It was a lot of fun. But uh, like I knew about this gig in I want to say February or March. So I had plenty of time to plan around it. So I think it really just boils down to how you plan. Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, you're, you're really incredible. Like you've been able to get five TEDx talks. You're helping people get more speak gigs. You are doing it too. Like you are traveling to all these different places. You have the agent. And I think people should really follow Bobby. You listen to this right now. Check out his work. We'll include some of that in the show notes. So uh, what do you want me to include in the show notes so people know where they can just follow you around? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely share my website, railing.com, as well as my LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter profiles, and uh, maybe some links to some of the programs I'm offering around speaking. And that's probably what I'll share. Well, we'll have all of that in the show notes. And we'll also have a link for anyone who wants to schedule a free strategy call with me, see how they can start, grow, monetize their podcast or YouTube channel. But Bobby, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure having you on the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. My pleasure, Mark. You're doing a great job. Keep it up.